0: I am a cutter, you see. Also a snipper, a slicer, a carver, a jabber. I am a very special case. I have a purpose. My skin, you see, screams. It's covered with words. Cook, cupcake, kitty, curls. (laughs) As if a knife-wielding first grader learned to write on my flesh. I sometimes, but only sometimes, laugh gillian flynn sharp objects welcome to books in the freezer a podcast dedicated to the deliriously disturbing world of horror fiction i'm one of your hosts stephanie
1: and i'm your other host rachel on this episode we're gonna fangirl over seeing some of our favorite books transition to the big and small screen so if we're going to discuss book to movie adaptations, I think we need to start with the question, are the books always better? I
0: actually am one of those people that I don't automatically think the book is always better. And I am i know people think this is really weird. I'm really forgiving of movie adaptations just because it's a totally different medium. And I get really excited to see how someone else who loved the story imagined it and brings it to life. What about you? Are you in that camp too? Or are you more of a purist?
1: No, this actually works out really nice. We're actually on the same page, which is good. We avoided a a fight there. That I'm the same way. I'm not a book purist. I love to hear that books are getting made into movies or TV shows. And I feel the same way. It's a different medium, so I don't judge them the same way. I am actually will go so far as to say that I think that some adaptations are even better than the original book in some cases and they're just different there's things I like on the page that work better in one form versus the other like for instance and we'll talk about this in a second here but I love jump scares they get me every time even if I know they're coming I will still jump but unfortunately that's something on the page that doesn't happen I Remember reading a review once of a book? I can't remember which one, but someone said, oh, the jump scares got me. I'm like, how do you jump at a book? I don't know when you're reading it on the page, but you take those same concepts. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you take the same concepts, throw them in a movie, and they're fantastic. Well, that definitely uh, makes this a little bit easier that, you know, we don't have anyone arguing the other side of our case, but...
0: I know. I always feel like um, I'm playing defense on that. I'm like, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, like...
1: Sure. Don't judge us.
0: Yeah, glad we're on the same page.
1: Yeah, so I'd love to know um, if any listeners actually disagree with us, if they're, you know, adamantly against movie adaptations or think that they're a disgrace. I'd love to love to hear the counter-arguments since we are so agreeable today.
0: <laughs> Definitely. So I think we should start with what has probably been one of the biggest horror movies this year that was an adaptation.
1: Yes, Absolutely. I just basically wanted an excuse to talk about it. So that is the big movie of the year when it comes to horror. I feel like this is one that everyone has seen, even if they're not normally a horror fan. If you somehow don't know the synopsis the really brief thing to know is that it's a group of kids that go to fight a creature that takes the form of a clown, I feel like everyone knows the basic synopsis that I feel silly even giving more than that. But it's that classic story, of course, adapted from Stephen King's epic book, which we have both read. So first off, you liked the book, right?
0: Yes, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I, I had my issues with it, but overall, it was just so epic and on this great scale. But at the same time, I feel like I absolutely got to know these characters. Like, it was just such an in depth book while also covering, just like I said, this great epic scale. You read it too. Did you like it? Like, how did you feel about it?
1: So, for me, I. Have more mixed feelings about it, and here's how I tend to explain my feelings because they're complicated. I really liked the idea that Stephen King created. I think that the idea of a group of boys going around a small town and fighting this monster were just fantastic. Love the idea, and I really did love the clown. I love, love Pennywise. There were some good, dark, gruesome moments in the book, but I felt it was too long, and full disclosure, I tend to lean towards enjoying horror that's shorter. I love short fiction, novellas, all of that. And my copy was the 1,500-page version, and I would have loved loved the book if they had cut it down to maybe 300 pages. I just felt like there was a lot of filler, a lot of extra things and I should probably start stop ranting about it before we get some more haters. You can direct that any complaints at me. These are my feelings. Stephanie did like the book more than I did, so I, I will take uh, take all the brunt of any any hate mail we start getting after this episode. <laughs>
0: I mean, I understand that Stephen King's definitely wordy. And I had like the 1100 page mass market paperback. And I mean, I felt like a couple hundred pages could have been shaved off. But um, yeah, there was just so many things that I liked about it. And I wasn't sure how I was going to like it after rewatching the miniseries, the 1991. And it is so cheesy. Have you seen that one with Tim Curry?
1: I haven't I was going to ask you if you've seen it, but I have seen lots of clips. after watching the movie, I went on YouTube and checked it out. And it looks a little campy, but I have to I might still watch it at some point just just to say I've seen it.
0: well, I watched it as a kid. and I remember as a child that it freaked me out. the um Georgie and the, you know, sewer drain scene you know stayed with me for a really long time and just really scared me but I re-watched it in high school and then again pretty recently um and it's just it's so cheesy and I was looking at it it's because it was made for tv it was made for like abc mm-hmm. so you know it has to adhere to certain standards and certain things obviously can't be shown you know for a tv movie and I just felt like that doesn't work like especially a story like it it needs to have those dark elements. And I think it needs that gore that we didn't get with it. So I had a lot of high hopes uh, for this movie because, you know, I know there was a lot of articles that everyone was excited when it was announced that I got an R rating. Like they were gonna go for it.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, in some ways, it blows my mind that they were able to write this story in a way that made it suitable for TV, at least somewhat suitable for TV. And I know so many people around our age that were, yeah, little kids when that came out. Their parents were like, "Oh, it's a clown movie. Go ahead, child." And then they're <laughs> now terrified of clowns for the rest of their life. So maybe it's a good thing I didn't see it as a kid because I was not. Terrified Terrified. And I guess I actually don't know, do you have a bit of a weird thing with clowns too? I
0: don't like clowns in general. I have a thing with like dolls and Uh, my grandma does a lot of like volunteer work and she goes and visits this shut-in once a month. And mm -hmm. the shut-in has a collection of dolls that need to be dusted. And she collects these like clown dolls and some of them are like large and sitting and like porcelain and just... My grandma said that nobody wants that job. She has not been like before my grandmother came along. She had not been able to like keep a volunteer to come by and dust the clouds. Oh, So it's it's a pretty widespread thing.
1: Oh, I think so. It's so prevalent. And I mean, there is something oh, just sure. creepy about them. I don't know why people think that children should enjoy these adults dressed up in weird, bright costumes with their face painted. How this is supposed to be fun for kids. I There's no something idea. very strange about it. I don't know. You know, even though I didn't love the book, I was still crazy excited when they heard the announcement that it was coming out. I heard about it when the first trailer came out. And when I saw what they were doing with the trailer, I just knew I was going to love it. And again, it's the fact that I like the story. I just felt the way it was told over that many pages, there was a lot of things that would cut. And so I felt like if the director listen to my listen to my opinions and follow the same lead and would do similar cuts in the movie, I just thought it would be great. Because did you end up watching the trailer before you saw the movie?
0: Oh, yeah, I watched it multiple times. (laughs) Me too. For sure. Did you like um, the Skarsgård Pennywise, the new one?
1: Yes, I loved him. I thought he was fantastic. I got to see an interview afterwards that he well, he's, he's done a couple different interviews, but apparently he's able to do a lot of the body movement that he does in the movie is actually things that he can do himself and wasn't CGI'd. I won't spoil anything. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's a few things. One is just even the way his lips smile. It's in, even on the trailer and you get to see the way he really pulls his lip down. And that's his natural. I think he can smile nicely if he wants to, but he can actually do that with his lips, which is freaky.
0: Yeah, he has that like Norman Bates look down, you know, where you like tuck your chin in and like look straight up and it's just so so creepy and menacing. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed him. Like, there were some CGI things that they added in there that I think took away from me being scared of him. But other than that, he yeah, did a great job. I
1: think so. He even can do that thing where it's not a... Maybe it's a lazy eye or maybe that's the wrong word. That at the beginning when he did that weird thing with his eye, that's another body thing that he can do. So, I don't know. Oh, I'm just so in love weird. with the actor and all the weird things he can do with his body. Which sounds, <laughs> which sounds a little bit creepy as I say that.
0: Did you think it was scary?
1: I didn't. And... There was a couple reasons. Like for me, it almost had too much humor to actually be called scary. How about yourself?
0: I wasn't scared of it. I don't know if I'm just like hardened (laughs) at this point Um, because I saw it with my sister and she does not watch a lot of scary movies. And she was like crawling out of her seat in a lot of scenes. I think in scenes where, you know, the kids would go somewhere and you knew as an audience member that he's somewhere in there and he's gonna jump out my sister was like crawling out of her seat going like oh no (laughs) oh no oh no so I guess maybe to people who are newbies to horror or don't watch a lot of horror it could be scary I personally didn't think it was but I thought it was delightful that's basically how I would describe it it was a very delightful experience watching it
1: I completely agree. I, yeah, very similar. So I didn't really find it truly scary. And honestly, you probably watch more straight-up horror movies than I do. But it just wasn't, like, over-the-top scary. But you mentioned your sister, and that actually sounds a lot like me. While I wasn't scared... There were those scenes exactly where I won't, again, we won't go into any spoilers, but, you know, you're in a dark place. The kids are looking around. You know something is going to jump out at them. Well, I kid you not, I went with my husband and I jumped at every single stupid jump (laughs) in that movie. And I remember thinking to myself going, "Okay, something's going to jump out be cool, Rachel, just don't freak out. And I still would jump even when I was telling myself, it's just, it's more of a gut reaction, I think. And that's something that runs in my family. Like the first time my husband met my sister, they were in a biology class dissecting frogs or whatnot. And so my husband, uh, you know, boyfriend at the time, you know, basically like tapped her on the shoulder she just swung around and threw a scapel in his face so it's something to like don't mess with my family when it comes yeah, to scaring us you're jumpy we're jumpy we're a jumpy bunch my co-worker was blowing his nose in the hallway one day and I screamed so that was that was last week at work so I have a I have a reputation but I make a distinction that that's not being scared I was not scared of my coworker. he just surprised me
0: yeah you're just easily startled it's a difference
1: Exactly. I'll I'll defend it to the death. So one thing I can see why they didn't go all out scary with his movies, I feel like they were very intentional of while still wanting to give it that R rating, of making it approachable for people who don't watch a lot of horror.
0: I know we both said we're really forgiving of um, people taking liberties with the source material. So did you have any feelings about that with the book? Because I had a few feelings about it. About oh, okay. things that were changed or things that I wanted added. So one thing that I liked that they changed uh, was that instead of the first timeline being in the 50s, that it was in the 80s. And yes. I feel like that was kind of to capitalize on that Stranger Things nostalgia thing that's big right now, especially with like Ben Wolfhart and everything. And I really liked it. I thought it made it more approachable. I liked that. I felt like they did normal kid stuff. I always thought it was kind of lame. I'm sorry. In the book <laughs> that they like build that dam. I was just like, who are these kids? Like, who does that? Yes. Who thinks like that's a good, fun thing to do?
1: No, I thought they made the kids really natural. I completely agree. They seem like a bunch of, I don't know, twerpy little kids. And I was like, yeah, these, these guys seem real.
0: And... Uh, I watched that trailer multiple times, and when they show that missing poster, it's Patrick Mm Hockstetter. So I was so stoked that Patrick Hockstetter was going to be in the movie because I thought he was one of the creepiest parts of the book, that his character was just so fascinating, and I was just so excited that they were going to include him in this movie. He has, like, no screen time. I was so disappointed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't in it as much. When I saw your notes that you were complaining that there wasn't more Patrick Hawes, or I was like, "Well, are you really into him or something?" I thought it was like a I thought you were like crushing on the actor, but that makes a lot more sense. but yeah, he was no, he was, he was just like freaky. super
0: interesting. He was one of the, like the most memorable side characters I thought, and I'm glad that they brought in the Easter egg hunt because that was in one of those parts of the book that I thought was kind of dry where. Um, you know, they're going through all the records and learning, like, the history of dairy. And there was that that Easter egg hunt um, where a lot of children were killed. And the imagery from that I just haunted me. And so I'm glad that that was included in the movie. Just that haunting imagery that stayed with me that was just so gory. Maybe just because I'm a mom. I don't know.
1: That makes sense. Like, for the most part, I agree with everything you said. I also got sc- Crazy Stranger Things vibes when I saw the trailer, but honestly, was a big thing that got me started on it. I know for anyone who's listening to this, that of course Stranger Things was obviously inspired by it, which came first. But I think it's really cool that they brought it up to the '80s so that it kind of lined up. And of course, they even stole one of the kid actors who did an amazing job. I loved all the kids in there, but I really liked the kid. He was
0: they- my favorite.
1: Oh, he was so funny. He was like constantly cracking jokes. I don't know. I thought the group of kids were amazing. And I'm not someone who loves watching kids on screen. Usually kid movies with like precocious little kids aren't my thing. I'm not a fan of like those cute little smart kids. But this group was fantastic. I thought they were so inappropriate. I don't hang out a lot with little kids that age. But they definitely read to me like those really immature kids that you'd actually see, you know, going around the town. So I thought it was fantastic. And if anything, I just think that... The places that they made changes in the book were either cutting out extra stuff, obviously splitting up so that they are not um, including the present day when the children grew up to be adults. And then just a lot of the weird problematic things. I really didn't like the way that the book dealt with Bev, and so I'm really happy that some of that was either cut out or changed, all that. So I feel like, like I said, I just felt like they were kind of cleaning up some of the more icky problematic parts of the book like I'm all for you know let's go all out and put all the gore on screen let's make Pennywise super creepy let's make the parents super creepy but I didn't care for some of the extra stuff in there so I just felt like they kind of cleaned it up just to make it a little bit more suitable for a mainstream audience and that was probably I don't
0: think yeah I don't think they could ever do like the Stephen King ending for the first timeline like it's just it's infamous but yeah It's just, I think, way too icky.
1: Yeah. Buddy read this with a friend, and he was saying, he's like, well, that that can't be in the movie, right? I don't want to watch that. And I was like, I'm sure that'll be cut, because no one else wants to watch that either. The one thing, actually, I really liked about um, the movie, which I feel like not enough people talk about, though, is the fact that I actually found the parents to be the scariest part of the movie. And I think that's done on purpose. It's even in the book that... Almost more terrifying than the clown is the fact that adults like that actually exist. Even the pharmacist, oh, just gave me the shivers. I just thought he was so creepy. Almost more terrifying than your imagination is the things that are real, the things that could happen and do happen to children. So, I don't know. I just think there's so many layers of this movie, but...
0: So we know that chapter two is uh, coming out September 9th of 2019. That's such a long time from now. I
1: know. They're making us wait two years, which as much as I'm sad about that, I'm happy that they're obviously taking the time to do it properly and make sure that they're not rushing production just to, you know, build off the success of the previous one. And as I understand, the entire part two is going to be covering the adult's Going back mm-hmm. to Derry after they are called back twenty-seven years later to once again fight the creature that lives in the town. Are you planning on watching it?
0: Yes, um, I definitely am. I don't think. Um, I'll be as excited because the kid actors were great. And I think in the book, my favorite scenes happen in the first timeline. But there's a few exciting things that happen in timeline too, that I'm excited. And I'm very interested to see the casting of the older versions of the kid actors for sure.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I had similar thoughts. Honestly, I think my favorite part about it was the kids fighting the monsters. So I'm not sure if I'm going to love it quite as much as this first movie, but I definitely still want to see it. And yeah, I'd love to know how they match up the different the different adults.
0: Uh, so one that I was really excited about when it got announced was A Bird Box by Josh Mallerman. Uh, I think you and I both read this, correct?
1: Yes, I read it as well. It was really good.
0: So what we know about it so far is... Um, It was just announced, so it's really early in the development process. We know that it's going to be a Netflix movie, and it's going to be starring Sandra Bullock in the main role. And if you don't know, uh, it's basically that there's something out there in the future, something terrifying that must not be seen. Basically, if you look at it, a person is just driven to deadly violence. And so in this story, Mallory and her two young children are living in an abandoned house near the river. Uh, She's dreamed of fleeing to a place where they might be safe. And uh, now that her kids are four, it's time to go. But the journey ahead will be terrifying. Uh, 20 miles downriver in a rowboat blindfolded with nothing to rely on but her wits and the children's trained ears. So there's a few things about this book. Basically, is that the terror outside, the danger is you can't look at anything outside. So the minute you step outside, you have to wear a blindfold in this world. And so a lot of this book was not visual. It was just that feeling. I think it was just really capturing that feeling of vulnerability when one of your senses is gone, when you're relying on all your other senses. And Josh Mallerman did such a great job of that on the page that I'm a little worried as to how that's going to translate to screen. Like, Is the camera going to be showing Sandra Bullock in a blindfold, like stumbling her way around or is it going to be kind of like a darkened screen with just like loud sounds? Like, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I know I have so many questions I'm excited or rather just really interested in this one. Like I want to know how they're going to do it. It could be fantastic or honestly, I feel like it could be falling flat because exactly so much of it is about the other senses.
0: And the book had that dual timeline thing where, One of the timelines is what I just said, that Mallory and uh, her two young children fleeing and they have blindfolds and, you know, they're escaping and they're outside. So, yeah. So the first timeline starts when this epidemic hits. So it's Mallory and how she reacts to it and how she ends up where she is. And then there's a flash forward to like the present day. So it's going to be those two timelines. I don't know how that's going to be filmed, but that's how the book is set up. It's kind of a back and forth. And you're telling the story yeah. and learning information as you go along. Uh, I would 100% recommend this book. It's a very fast, very thrilling, fast-paced read for sure.
1: Oh, I would call it actually a slow read. <laughs> I remember being like, that was really? one thing I remember being a little bit slow. I thought the concept was really good. It was very atmospheric, but I remember feeling it was like a slower book. And maybe you spend a lot of time blindfolded on a boat, but I'll have to reread it at some point and see if my feelings change.
0: So, oh wow. Yeah. I I was like flipping pages. <laughs> like I was like what is going on? I need to know what is happening. Oh. So that is really interesting. So yeah. there you go. Depending on how you think of it, it could be faster, it could be slow. So another book that's getting an adaptation that I was really excited about was Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. And what we know about this so far is that it's set to be an HBO miniseries and it's going to be anthology style. So each episode is going to be, it's going to tell a different story and in this case focus on a different character. Like it's all going to be one group of friends and family, but it's all going to be Just like the book, um, each in the book, each chapter is from a different person's perspective. And so that's how the series is going to be set up. And it's going to be directed by Jordan Peele of Key and Peele. And he recently had a lot of success with Get Out. Um, So the synopsis for this book is a young African American man travels across the US in the 1950s in search of his missing father. And I loved this book. So. It is about a man traveling in Jim Crow era America, looking for his dad and just the things he has to go through. And his uncle owns this company where they put out a safe Negro travel guide, which is basically they go around and they print out this guide for places, you know, at that time where African-Americans could eat or stay and they would be safe and what, you know, safe routes to take and, you know, where to you know, what places to avoid and stay away from. And there was just, it was very heartbreaking to read at some points, but it was absolutely fascinating. So that's one of the stories, obviously. I loved that this book also tackled a lot of different kinds of horror. Like there's like a haunted house story and there's kind of a more sci-fi story. And it was very diverse. I think it deals a lot with the characters being African-American and their place, I think, within like the horror and sci-fi genre, because the main character the one in the first story he has an issue with his father because he really loves like the old sci-fi stories and he really loves Lovecraft and his dad gives him a lot of grief because of how racist Lovecraft was and so he's dealing with this guilt of like can I enjoy this when the person who created it you know would not have liked me was not a fan of people like me I don't know it just it dealt with so many things and um you know, I heard so many things about Get Out, I haven't seen it yet, but that it's very, it deals with a lot of similar themes, and I'm really interested to see um, how Jordan Peele tackles them and brings them to the screen.
1: No, that's one I'm so excited. I've not read it myself, but I definitely like to read it before the um, the series comes out, and it just sounds fantastic from everything from the you know directing choice to the whole premise behind it it's like because Lovecraft is known to be such a racist I'm always really fascinated that horror is one of those genres that just has this legacy of being incredibly white and just lacking diversity and it's I started to see that change in the last few years by what's being published but Mm -hmm. I really like to see a book like this and then you know a a show that's going to address that and actually have a predominant african-american cast so i could even though i haven't read it i could not be more excited that this exists that this is going to be a thing and to get um hbo quality production i don't know i i'm going to be gushing on everything they they adapt because i just think they can do no wrong Speaking of HBO adaptions, I have to talk about Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn, which we have both read and loved. So yes, we're going to be doing a little bit of gushing here. Uh, So I feel like we need to say that we understand that this is not straight up horror. Yes, you could consider this more of maybe a mystery, suspense, but you know what? We're going to talk about it anyway. And frankly, I think anyone who's a fan of horror can at least appreciate what Gillian Flynn does in her books because... Her writing is fantastic. She writes in such a visceral way. I love the gritty, gruesome details in all of her stories. So even if it's not straight up horror, I don't care. We're putting this in. We're talking about this. So what we know is it's going to be adapted as an HBO miniseries, which again, love that they're doing it. They just have such fantastic quality and their ability to go there when it comes to dark and gritty stories. They're not censored like some of the other networks. And we know that starring Amy Adams, which is interesting there, just because in my mind, she's a really cute actress and not the choice I would expect for that. If you're somehow not familiar with the plot of Sharp Objects, this is a story about a troubled journalist who is tasked by her newspaper to return to the small town where she grew up and investigate a young girl that was just found brutally murdered. In coming home, she needs to address the things that she left behind. She has a really difficult family with a very frustrating mother, and the story really unfolds from there. I don't want to say too much more of the plot just in case you have not Read it, but oh my gosh, I love the book. It's easily one of my t- favorite books of all time. I think you enjoy it as well, right? Like We're on the same page on I was this definitely. one. Definitely,
0: like, I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask you where this. Falls on the Gillian Flynn scale of like her four published works so far. Where Shop Object
1: Falls for You. It's actually probably my least favorite of hers, but considering I can really I consider her my favorite author, being my least favorite book by my favorite author is still a really good book. So how about yourself?
0: This rivals Gone Girl for spot one. Oh. Like, Gone Girl was my first by her, and I just flew through it, and I could not believe it. I could not believe how amazing it was. And this rivals it. Oh. So it's between Sharp Objects and Gone Girl for the top spot oh, that's for good. me.
1: It's more that I love the other ones even more, not that I have any issue with this book. I thought it was great. At times, I remember thinking that it felt a little bit like a debut novel in terms of some of the pacing, but... Those are like quibbles in terms of how much I liked it. So even I've read Uh it two or three times now. And, you know, I don't reread books I don't love. So I still think it's fantastic. But I didn't realize this. So this is possibly even your favorite. Now, one thing, have you watched either of the other two adaptations of her books, Gone Girl or... Dark
0: Places. I saw both actually. Uh, Gone Girl. I thought did an amazing job of capturing like that darkness and the thematic qualities that I really loved about it. Uh, Dark Places, unfortunately, was a little underwhelming. It had a very limited release, and I don't know. There was just something about it that I felt was missing. Like it didn't. It didn't capture the same feeling that Gone Girl was able to capture in the adaptation that they did. So. I think with HBO behind it and it having that, you know, HBO money and HBO quality behind it, I have a little more faith that this is going to get done right.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm still almost nervous how they're going to handle some of the topics because without giving away too much, the main character is very troubled and I don't really know how they're going to show some of the scenes that are in the book on camera, yes, HBO can kind of do what they want and do anything. So I think it's fair to say that, you know, the main character is a cutter. And I can't think of any, you know, main release movie that actually shows cutting on, on screens. So, although maybe I'm just watching the wrong shows, but things like that, I don't know if they're going to, you know, it's very triggering subject matter, arguably, but if it's done well, it could be, I don't know, it could be brilliant. I, I'm, How do you feel about Amy Adams, though?
0: I think she is really good. I can see where you're coming from with her being cutesy because she did, um, was it called enchanted? Was that the Disney movie she did I where she was like the so. fairy tale princess? That
1: might've been her. And then she did do like confessions of a shopaholic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she was Lois Lane, but I think, you know, with her doing like nocturnal animals and, uh, American hustle, I think she has shown that she can take on meteor roles. And so I, I have faith in her.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's going to be Fantastic.
0: Ooh, one that the trailer just dropped and I was really, really excited for was Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. And this also kind of is in between horror and sci-fi. Um, so what we know is that it's getting a theatrical release and uh, Natalie Portman is cast as the main character, which is the biologist, and I am here for that. I actually knew about the casting uh, when I read the book and I just thought, as I read the book, I was like, yes, I, I see it. It's perfect. So it's about uh, an expedition of explorers and scientists that go explore a mysterious place called Area X. And every expedition that has gone into Area X has either all just completely died or they come back and they're not the same people that they were, or they come back with degenerative diseases and they die slowly. And so this is going to be the 12th expedition that they're sending into this place that has popped up called Area X. And this time what they're doing is they're sending in four female scientists. Um, They're sending in like a biologist and a psychologist and a surveyor and uh, I think a botanist. No, I forget what the fourth one is. But so it's the four of them and they are going in there. And Natalie Portman's character, the biologist, her husband was in the previous expedition. And he just came back very changed. And she has put it upon, like she volunteered for this expedition. So it's interesting because she's bringing a lot of baggage and a lot of interest into this expedition. And it's so crazy. So they go there and just the stuff that they find is really good. I definitely suggest looking up the trailer. I think it does a really good job of kind of creating the hype for this without giving too much of the plot away. Um, didn't you, did you feel that way? Cause you didn't read the book, but you saw the trailer. Did it create that? Like I need to see this feeling.
1: It absolutely did. I have not read the book, but I am so intrigued by it. And it's good because that's a book I've heard you're not really supposed to know almost anything going into it, but I didn't feel like the trailer gave away too much. It just made me super intrigued. I have no idea what's going on, but I need to see that movie, which is probably exactly what they were going for. So I'm sold on that. Now, because you did read the book, How do you think it's going to compare? Do you think they can do it justice?
0: I think they can because it's a lot of visual things that are described in the book that they're seeing that Natalie Portman's character has to write down and take notes on. I think that's going to translate a lot better to a visual medium. Um, And like in the trailer, when it shows them going into Area X, they kind of go through this like violet looking gelatinous thing, which I don't remember if that was in the book or not. So or if that was a choice, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's one. I'm I'm okay with them, you know, putting their own spin on it visually. I have faith in it.
1: So we just want to briefly talk about another upcoming release, and that is The Invisible Man, which is written by H.G. Wells. And what we know is it's going to be a theatrical release. It's set to be part of the Universal Monsters series, which is going to include movies like The Mummy and The Bride of Frankenstein, And this new one is rumored to be starring Johnny Depp, which I'm really excited about. And it's supposed to come out in July 2018, so relatively not that much longer. And if you don't know about the synopsis of the book, um, actually neither of us have read it ourselves, but it's about a university professor who discovers a chemical that turns flesh and blood invisible. So of course he decides to test it out on himself and it not only turns him invisible for long periods of time, but slowly is making him turn into a madman. So without actually having read the book, that does sound like a pretty fun plot. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. I'm in general, just really excited for the universal Monsters series as a whole.
0: I'm excited about it. I'm a little tentatively excited about it because the mommy was released and that, Totally bombed. So I don't know. I'm a little worried about it. Uh, I could see this being a good Johnny Depp role, though, and I can see this. Hopefully, it does a little better than The Mummy, and because this Universal Monsters like universe could be really interesting. So I'm I'm hoping that it does well. And then another book that I haven't read yet, but when I saw that the adaptation is coming out, it definitely got bumped up on my TBR. And that is The Terror by Dan Simmons. Uh, I read Summer of Night by Dan Simmons and really enjoyed it. So I was really excited to hear that this was getting adapted. So what we know so far is this is going to be a series on AMC in 2017. And it's going to be released like an anthology. I haven't read the book, but I don't think the book is written like an anthology. So that'll be interesting to see. How that is? So the synopsis is that the crew of a Royal Naval expedition searching for the Arctic Treacherous Northwest Passage instead discovers a monstrous predator. And this is kind of historical fiction because it's based on the real-life Franklin expedition uh, that ended tragically. So... It'll be really interesting to see the differences in it. Cause I haven't read the book yet. So I don't know what is, what differences obviously I'm guessing the monstrous predator didn't happen in real life unless maybe it did. You never know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see the differences and I could just see this being done really well. And cinematically with the ocean and the snow and the cold, I just really love that aesthetic. And I think that could be done really well. How do you feel about this? Was this something that was on your TBR at all? Like on your radar?
1: It was on before. my radar, but it wasn't really high up on my list. And I'm still a little bit more, I don't know, wait and see with this one, whether or not I'll, I'll watch it. There's something about, and I mentioned before I'm Canadian, that I'm just not wild to watch like hours of people walking around being cold and feel like I can do that in my own free time. We'll see. I'll, I'll wait for the reviews. I'll. How about you watch it and then tell me if it's good?
0: I'll see if I can. I don't have cable, so I'll see if I can... Go to someone's house and invite myself over and watch it when it comes
1: out. <laughs> Just awkwardly. Can I come over and hang out every Thursday night?
0: Um, so another AMC one that I'm really excited about, and this is definitely one I'm inviting myself over for this one, because this is like a can't miss one for me. Is, is So it's rumored that Nosferatu by Joe Hill is getting adapted into an AMC series. Not rumored, like it has an IMDB page and it's in development. Um, but I am stoked I me loved this too. book.
1: This is probably um, one of the ones I'm most excited for. When you sent me a little snapshot showing that this was going to be a thing, I was ins- incredibly excited. This is just fantastic.
0: Yes. This is one of my favorite Joe Hill books. The synopsis of the story is that the book follows a girl named Vic McQueen who has an ability to find lost objects by way of a mysterious bridge that transports her to wherever the object that she's looking for is hiding. And Charles Talent Manx steals away children in his Rolls Royce Wraith and transports them to an astonishing and terrifying playground of amusements he calls Christmas Land. Oh, it's
1: going to be so I, good. I hope it comes out around Christmas. I would love to be able yes. to watch this during Christmas
0: holidays. It 100% needs to oh, come out during better. Christmas because that was just such a creep factor. All the Christmas stuff and like the Christmas songs and everything.
1: Oh, it's uh, just so
0: such. Good. This was such a great book. I listened to this as an audio book, and Kate Mulgrew did a fantastic job. And if you don't know, Kate Mulgrew is red on orange is the new black, and I know all the Trekkies are mad at me because she was on Star Trek, but Doctor I'm not Voyager. a Trekkie, so I don't know who she was. I'm Star sorry. Trek
1: Voyager, Captain Janeway. Thank you. I'm. Thank you. Trekkie over thank here. you, Rachel. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> i why got Rachel. your back.
0: <laughs> That's why you're.
1: Here. Maybe I shouldn't admit thank to you,
0: that. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> we we have our we have our crest back. <laughs> did you listen to the audiobook she did so Uh, good she
1: has the perfect Oh, charlie Uh, makes
0: charlie makes is creepy i am so excited for this just christmas lane in general i'm dying to see how they tackle that yeah
1: i think it's gonna be brilliant i hope they have the budget to just go all out and just make it the full production i want it to be this could easily be one of the creepiest adaptations, I think, of our list. I, I just, I love that book, and they could do some really fun stuff if they do it right. Because it's, it's, there's a lot of humor in it, too. So I could see it appealing mm-hmm. to a really wide audience, the same yes. way that it worked for so many people that you can kind of throw some humor in at the same time making it terrifying and totally creepy. So since we are talking Joe Hill, I have to throw in one last adaptation, and that is that Lock and Key, the graphic novel by Joe Hill, which is illustrated by Gabriel Rodriguez, is coming out, or should be. What we know is that Hulu is currently making a pilot, and at the moment, uh, Danny Glover has been cast in it. Now, when I was preparing and making some notes about this, I was really excited because I thought that Danny Glover was the same as Donald Glover. If you're not aware, Danny Glover is the one from Lethal Weapon, And Donald Glover is the guy from Community. I always confuse the two actors even though they are quite different So I had a lot of thoughts about how Donald Glover was going to be in this, but that is not correct It's Danny Glover. (laughs) No slightly different. Yeah, I actually I kind of wish it was Donald Glover because I love him and everything but uh, Given how gritty the story is, uh, it makes more sense that it's gonna be Danny Glover So once I saw the casting and looked at the picture, I was like, okay, that makes sense And the other one that's cast in here is IG just found this out today that the young boy from the movie it the new one um is playing the youngest son bode from this graphic novel and i think that's going to be amazing so he and it he was the little boy who was that georgie who so i think it's going to be amazing because i thought that kid was super cute and the main character in this graphic novel bode is also crazy adorable so it's going to be a perfect fit so i think that's brilliant if you're not familiar with the plot, this is a graphic novel series has told over six volumes about the Locke family that after a terrible tragedy moved to an old New England manor and find these magical keys that have different properties. There's a lot of supernatural elements within the story, so I'm really hoping they have the budget to pull this off properly. Just because I'd really like to see a lot of these concepts done well. Some of the keys can remove memories, turn people into ghosts, change their size. Like, it's they're all over the place. I'd also be curious to see it as an animated work, just because I think that would be really nice since we're used to seeing the artwork done on the page. But I don't know if that would be the case. You don't see a lot of adult animated works very often so I'd be surprised but I personally would think that would be a great choice you know something like done in a style like Archer or another adult animated show what do you have any thoughts I don't think you've read this
0: no it's been on my TBR so I definitely want to get to it and now that this is announced I definitely am gonna have to like bump it up and get to it but it's definitely one that I've been wanting to get to and you know I love like old creepy houses so I'm here for this I am here for it
1: nice I will bug you until you Read that because I think it's fantastic. I was so excited when I saw that announcement. So mm-hmm. of the, all the adaptations that are coming up what would you say is the one you're most excited for?
0: I would say it's between Sharp Objects and Nosferatu. Oh, that was
1: my answer. How too. about you? Although with maybe I throw really? a locking key in there somewhere, but yeah, those were the two that I kept eyeing up. That I really just think that they're going to be really entertaining in show form, and I already love both the books so. I think, oh, so. well, we are disagreeing way too much in this episode. We need to find some topic and we can just, like, fight for an hour about something. Because I always find that I love on podcasts when people disagree. So we're way too agreeable today. We're, we're totally on the same page. I know.
0: Maybe we just need to bring in, like, a third person that just is totally opposite of us for a few episodes, and we'll bring there that we in. Go.
1: So switching gears to talk about some other things we're loving recently, I want to talk about yet another book. To show adaptation and that is The Exorcist which premiered on Fox. There are currently two seasons. The second season is currently out and I've only watched season one but I'm absolutely loving it so I feel confident to recommend it. This is, of course, very loosely based off of the book by the same name. I think everyone knows the story of the possessed young girl and the priest is called in. And when I say loosely inspired, I do really mean that Um, the characters are changed. The setup is all different. But essentially, it's this modern family where the mother approaches a priest because one of her two daughters seems like something is wrong, something is off. And so she goes to this priest in her home parish and says, I think my daughter's being possessed. And oh man, can we just talk for a moment about Father Thomas? Have you or Thomas? Oh, we can oh.
0: talk. We can talk for many moments about I Father Thomas. Should. Father yes, Thomas.
1: I'm saying it <laughs> wrong. Oh my gosh! And I should be careful because my husband is sitting right next to me as I film this or record this. But my goodness, he is quite a super hot priest, which I'm sure they did intentionally. Who, um, my husband? Yeah, he's ignoring me. I would. It's all good. I would like
0: to say that in the book. Father Karras is also described as very hunky. So there we
1: go. They are just, it's following. just keeping with the source material. Exactly. They yeah, are they're respecting just doing it. It's fine. The author. So there we go. So they're just doing that. I know it's, it's but honestly, I shouldn't, it shouldn't get too much because it gives a disservice to the fact that the writing is fantastic, but the eye candy helps yes. too. But all around, I'd say, it's just a really engaging story at times. I would say it, it watches a little bit like a family drama you almost are following the family as they deal with regular family issues uh, the father was in an accident before the one daughter lost her friend and girlfriend in an accident so it deals with a lot of like family issues but then every episode has this moments where it definitely turns into a proper horror tv show and i love the scenes involving the demons and the possession and they really had the good budget to go all out and I just thought it was fantastic it's really gross and gruesome there are some good moments with like bugs and creatures which always get me I was I always am eating while I watch tv for whatever reason and I always notice a good (laughs) horror tv show will actually make me put down what I'm eating and go oh I'll finish this in a minute just wait till the scene is done and so that's always a good test for me that it's um, a good one but yeah I'd love to know for anyone who is watching season two if it's as good I know you've seen it too have you seen any of season two
0: um I haven't I watched a few trailers so I know we still have uh some ca- I don't want to know I don't know what spoilery but it's like a some some of the same characters in kind of a new oh, place okay. oh I'm excited I don't know if that gives away anything um I haven't seen it yet I do plan on starting season two because it's on Hulu like every week like as episodes come in But I second your recommendation. I thought it was done really well. And I am a big fan of the family drama as a genre. So I really enjoyed the blend of the family drama and horror. And Gina Davis also is amazing in it as the mom, for sure.
1: Absolutely. So what would you recommend this week?
0: Ooh, so this is based on a podcast that I really liked. I really loved the Lore podcast. Have you ever listened to that one? I've
1: listened to, I think, the first episode of it. I haven't listened to as much as you have, though, so you have to tell me more about it.
0: So it just got its TV show adaptation on Amazon Prime. The whole season one was released. I think it's eight or ten episodes. Um, It is a little kind of podcast style where Aaron Mankey is narrating. And we get visuals on what he's talking about. And what he talks about in the podcast is kind of history of creepy things. And so we get a lot of actors doing reenactments. We get a lot of pictures and just really good, creepy, just graphic design and diagrams. And it's really great because I feel like I'm learning something too because my husband not to get all Myers-Briggs but he's like an INTJ so he always has to feel like he's like learning something like everything he only reads like nonfiction and listens to like NPR so this was a good compromise for us because it was it fulfilled my need for like dark creepy things but he didn't also feel like he was wasting his time with like nonsense as he calls (laughs) it like he was actually learning something Um, and the second episode they talk about the history of lobotomies and oh the actors and like how they were doing it was just grossing me out I was like I can't believe people ever did this so it's really interesting I I really enjoyed it and I definitely recommend it and the podcast
1: so that sounds fantastic for everyone listening we'd love to know of all the book to movie adaptations that we mentioned which one are you most excited about As well, if you want to give us a shout out, you can find the podcast on Twitter at booksfreezerpod, on Instagram at booksinthefreezer, and then feel free to send us an email. We'd love to hear from you what you think, agree, disagree. If you want to send us hate mail, please don't, but you totally can. Our email is booksinthefreezer at gmail.com.
0: And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. Or you can see me on YouTube at That's What She Read. And
1: myself, Rachel. You can find me on Twitter at shades underscore orange or on YouTube and Instagram at all one words, no spaces, the shades of orange.
0: Thank you so much. And please join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Bye.